Hello, I'm Skosha Mogovic. Welcome back for another episode of Creative Responders in Conversation, our monthly interview series where we hear from people on the front lines of the arts and emergency management sector as they prepare, respond and recover from disaster. Today's guest is Louise Scheidel, who is the Mental Health Promotions Officer at Albury Bradonga Health in Victoria. In this episode, we're continuing to explore two areas we've been covering over the past two years, mental health and the well-being of young people and their families impacted by natural disasters. I've been collaborating with Louise on a project called My Place, My Home, that you'll hear us discuss in our conversation. It's a project focused on young people affected by bushfires in the Taowong region over a year ago, and it brings together local organisations, health services, schools and artists who are working together to support their communities in their recovery journey. We've supported the project development in partnership with John Lane from the Royal Children's Hospital Festival of Healthy Living. Overwhelming local support has connected us with a group of health and educational professionals from Koryong Health, Albury Rodonga Health, Gateway Health, Taowong Shire, Bushfire Recovery Victoria, Regional Arts Victoria, Catholic Education Sandhurst, New South Wales Department of Education, Koryong Neighbourhood House and the Beyond Blues Bushfire Response Program. We are just concluding the first stage of what is planned to be a longer term creative recovery strategy for the students, their families and communities. The first stage included a four day program with four local primary and high schools participated in a range of creative workshops facilitated by local artists from the Koryong, Wolwo, Kajua, Albury and Wodonga areas. The emphasis of My Place, My Home is on an engagement, joy and idea generation through a series of artist-led workshops with groups of students. Workshops included visual arts, cartooning, drama, circus, drumming and rhythm, script writing, soundscaping and shadow puppetry. Artists planned their workshop led by the question, how does creative engagement help us share stories? I sat down with Louise in person in her lovely home in Yakandanda and we chatted over cups of tea on a beautiful autumn day. I hope you enjoy this conversation with creative responder Louise Scheidel. Thanks for joining us today, Louise, and thanks for bringing me into your home. I'm sitting here in front of Lou's beautiful wooden heater (laughs) with the view of her yard and her chickens and um, the glorious bush around us. What a beautiful place you have. You're most very welcome, Scotia. Most very welcome. (laughs) So before we uh, talk much about the My Place, My Home project, which is how I met you, Lou, Mm -hmm. can you tell us a little bit about what you do? Like what was the journey that took you to where you are working now? So Louise is the mental health promotions officer working in early intervention and capacity building team as part of Orby Rodonga Health. That's your current role. But tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, just uh, I guess I can... I've been working uh, in this role um, in particular for about 14 years now. And uh, it's, a, it's a great role. It, it cover, we have a very large footprint up in the northeast of Victoria and we, we go a little bit across into the, north, into the New South Wales border, um, across into Albury and in and around that little local area and then up in the very northeast in the uh, high country in the Upper Murray. We, we, 
we, we go across over to Cancobin as well. So we have a very large footprint and uh, I get to know and meet a lot of people from different communities in through my role. Um, probably I've, I've my, my profession is as a, an occupational therapist um, and I've been working in mental health. I've only ever worked in mental health as an OT since the mid-80s, so I'm one of those dinosaur OTs. Um, but I have always worked in mental health and I've worked in the whole range of, um, of, of people uh, going through their mental health uh, crisis or growth depending on where they're at um, and all the way through that um, I was very fortunate that I uh, my, my, my teachers that were part of that process um, used creative therapies throughout the whole the whole part of our therapeutic approach and support for people uh, and we had a really looking looking back at it and then looking at currently now with mental health um, the, 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 the approaches of mental health, which is all around recovery and really empowering a person to find their own journey and um, to support them in their journey. That's what we were doing back then, which was fantastic. You know, we just didn't have the evidence, but creative therapies was a huge part in enabling people to find their own sense of creativity and to actually find their own sense of hope for themselves. And so that was wonderful. So that's always been part of my work. It's always flowed through, um, is to the use of creativity and the impact that can have on someone's health. Yeah. So your community here, the North East and the East Gippsland region of Victoria were significantly impacted by the bushfires of 2019 and 2020, Christmas, New Year and into the New Year period. Mm. Can you tell us a little bit about that um, experience for your community well it was it there was many different i guess experiences from different parts so the northeast has got quite a lot of different areas within it um the particular area that was most dramatically impacted by the the fires was in the very upper what we call the upper murray so very high up into that part of our catchment area and um the fires uh, started across on the New South Wales side of the river and, and spread across. And they, they were ferocious and uh, they really, really just, you know, really impacted, just went through small communities. Um, um, places were raised um, and there was just this whole, whole sense of, I guess, uh, destruction around for parts. Um, some of the impact of it was that also the communications went down. And so what that, that ended up resulting in is that um, a, lot of, a lot of people and communities couldn't connect with each other. So, you know, you can imagine the distress that that would cause to people not knowing... Uh, not being able to contact relatives or, or husbands or wives or who were separated due to the due to the fires, um, the other impact that it had was um, the electricity all went down as well, and so, for example, the whole town of Coryong um, basically had to be evacuated, and they 
So, you know, they they just all had to leave and, and just go. And uh, the, the stress and the dislocation and, I guess, also that anxiety that comes with people being left behind but then not being able to contact them because there was no phones. So there was just... It was just a real extreme situation that was caused there and some of the stress I would say is not only not necessarily because the fire impacted them or burnt a house or or, or a property but um you know it was just the fact that they were so so had to be just separated and didn't know what was going on and were sort of caught in that 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 whole really surreal space of not knowing but just completely overwhelmed with anxiety. The, the notion the, of taking any any connection of what we see as safety being removed. Oh, yeah, and, and, and just that sense of connectedness. You know, you just don't realise how important it is to be able to know. I've just spoken to, you know, my loved one and I know they're all right or I know what's going on for them but not knowing is is, is so distressing. Um, the other thing is, I guess, there was a lot of smoke around, you know, and there was a lot of, you know, the, the, the whole living with that whole aftermath of it was, was also very stressing for people. It had impacts on their, on their health as well. And then not long after, there was another, another weather event with a lot of rain and actually sort of some flash flooding, and that also really, really impacted um, communities as well, especially the farming communities where already and I guess I didn't cover this before but the farming a lot of the fires went through the farming areas and so you know the whole destruction of of herds of of cattle of of sheep of um all their fences and just the you know and all the stock and all the feed I should say you know just just the enormity of of what of what they were left with um I think that that's also so, you know, the people in the town also suffered financially and, and all the stress that comes from it. And, and But there was also this other layer with the farmers of this enormous amount of work that they needed to do, which was only compounded, the stress of all that was only compounded by the fact that COVID came in. So just as people were starting to wrap their heads around and going, OK, now we need to, you know, we had fireblaze coming up to help and you know there was sort of some starting to get some rebuilding going on or at least trying to contain what was going on uh, and looking towards how do we look after the well-being of our of our community emotionally as well and then all of a sudden when COVID came in that just stopped and so this was another insult if you like or not insult but assault to the whole mental health and well-being of those communities up that way. Yeah, so it's it's been a big impact, very big impact. Yeah. Mm. And we uh, connected in early 2020 with uh, conversations around how we could help, particularly at that point around children and young people and, and the connection into the schools. And so began this process which has come to be called My Place, My Home. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us a little, Lou, about what the premise behind that project and how it's evolved and yeah. what its kind of goals are? Oh, look, it's just, it's it's been fantastic. It's been, firstly, can I just say how fantastic it was and how wonderful it's been to have this other, uh, you know, have your input, to have the Creative Recovery Network, you know, 
lending its lending its support to the sowing of seeds and and then the gener you know the germination of of an idea all the way along the way and we've also had some great support as well from the Royal Children's Hospital through the Festival for Healthy Living and John Lane with involved in that too so there's been a feeling of this real brains trust and um a bigger picture being able to look at the big picture so that that's uh that's been really so not only inspiring but affirming and reassuring for me and given me the ability to be here on the ground to throw these pop opportunities or p- possibilities out to others that I have got connections with so my role in here in the in the, in this area is over the years I've I've created a lot of relationships with people working in a whole lot of different organizations so I work from a mental health area but because my role is around capacity building I'll work with the youth sector I'll work with the education sector um, you know family violence sector working in with uh, the police with uh, general health of of children um, children and families work so always keeping those relationships going this has been you know, an opportunity to just um, pull those guys together and say, let's have a think about something. Let's let's throw the possibility. What would it be like if we just started to contemplate using the arts or involving the arts in a really dedicated way to being part of a recovery process? And it's nothing new, but I think it just needed that first question and and uh I was very lucky that I had a lot of people that just answered the call it was really just uh would you like to come and talk to these couple of really great people being jo- John Lane and yourself um to just consider this as something to think about and you know we were struggling up here I not struggling I don't know if that's the right word but it was stymieing through COVID because the stuff that we would really want to be doing to get the community together, to, to feel those, to build that connection or to reinforce the connections, we were stymied. We didn't have anything we could do because of COVID. So I think the curiosity was there of, oh, yes, let's, let's, let's consider something different. And there was some space for us to consider that. And I think it just happened to be serendipity. Yeah, and I think there's something very important in this work around that potentiality of collaboration and how we do have a a real need actually to come together to share ideas and resources and that was really important in this process. I think often in in the process of recovery we we can be quite soloised in the work that we're doing Mm -hmm. but the importance of somehow finding avenues or opportunities to bring the collective wisdom or the collective resources together to try and build a stronger base for everyone really is Mm. is a really important step yeah that's so true I I think you know and and the people that came to this meeting like when we when I you know tapped a few people on the shoulder and invited them along I was trying to throw as broad a cast and you know cast the net as broad as I could because there was a lot of people that did have 
bushfire funding uh, that were tasked with responding or being the agency to do this, this and this. And and it, it can be very much about people going off and doing their own thing. But we all knew and we all know that sort of mantra of we need to respond to what the community is needing. But it was like, how do we... How do we keep doing that? How, how can we make sure that we're all on the same page? And there were some groups that were pulled together um, and that was all fine and good and they were, they, they're still going and doing some great work um, looking at all the ranges of well-being. But this one just seemed to resonate. This one just seemed to pull together and it, it was almost like we turned it back around. Um, here was the the idea and the thought and the angle of how to approach things and these other and all these people that had a bushfire filter you know of, of recovery work came along and considered it so it sort of it just brought everybody together straight away rather than the other way of so yeah it was so tell us a bit about my place my home what's, what's so well so my place my home uh, started off very, very loose with uh, just really looking at here's the idea, have a think about using how can we how can we best incorporate the use of arts and culture in the recovery process up in that upper Murray area. Let's let's have a look and see how can we do that. What could we come up with? And John Lane being working for Royal Children's Hospital and myself working mostly targeting supporting young people between the ages of naught and 18. So young people is my sort of target group, if you like, if you, if you want to put it that way. Um, we, we sort of thought that might be a good place to start with, but yet we were open to any of those people sitting around the table if there was some idea that they thought would go and respond to different parts of the community and the population, that would be fine. But we actually came up with the idea that it would be good to focus on schools because we get, um, not only do we support young people themselves and help them with their sense of agency and empowerment, but we also, there's also the adults around those kids. Um, there's the, the teachers that have all gone through, some of them had gone through their own, own sort of um, experiences of bushfire, um, as well as just supporting the kids, you know, there they sort of get the benefit of, of, of some sort of a creative approach to this recovery um, project. And then around them, that flows on a little bit further. The organisations that all came and sat around there were local organisations. They had people that were on the ground as well and parts of those communities. So we could sort of see that if we, if we sort of targeted the young kids in that area through the schools, it was a great way for us to... Um, really um, focus, I guess, some, some focus a project uh, without it being too descriptive. So uh, the, the idea came, also the other thing that we, we sort of came to know is there wasn't a lot of voice of young people in a lot of the recovery conversations, the planning and the feedback and all the agencies that got together were very adult focused times talking on behalf of young people of course but there wasn't actually their voice in there saying this is this is what's important to us and this is what we think might 
be useful to happen around here for us to make it more meaningful where we live. And so we were really, I guess, talking around that and then coming up more and more, it sort of started to evolve into, well, why don't we create, first of all, a an opportunity for kids to experience different art forms and art mediums that they may not get because it's a fairly uh, isolated area up that way. So there's not a lot of a lot of things that go up there in terms of you know um, traveling plays or a lot of different um, the arts community. There is an arts community up there, but it's 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 still quite small in some ways and not necessarily highly established in terms of uh, other people being able to uh, be involved in in different activities or events. So there was that. Part of that was let's get the kids let's let, let's let's give the kids an opportunity to have a try because they need to know something they need to know what it's like to see if that's what they want to do more of so that was one part of it and the other part was well let's let's also try and elicit what do they like what's their what's the, not only what do they like but what's their idea of what's going on uh, what's their experience like how can we understand and start to hear their stories. And so that's when the gel, it started to gel a little bit more. We had a couple of local organisations that had funding, bushfire funding, that said, yep, we'll throw money in. And so all of a sudden, you know, we had a, a one meeting. It was fantastic because one person representing an, a local organisation said, yep, we'll throw some money in, we'll throw X amount of dollars in. The next person sort of went, well, well, we'll throw some money in too and we'll throw some money in. By the end of it, I think we had about $20,000 at the end of a meeting. It was like, oh, my God, that's fantastic. You know, this is people wanting. So the curiosity to start with, but then also this, no, we're committing. We're going to throw in and give this a go and support the idea. And then it just kept growing there and we ended up with a very short window of opportunity to run this because we had to try and work with the four schools that are up there and that's always trying to juggle schools is not easy but we 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 managed to get uh we managed to get that happening so uh you know we we were able to we had a very short time then between getting some funding getting some local funding and we decided to create four days, uh, four workshop days where students could get an experience of different art forms with different artists and then we would also be gathering some information, gathering and listening to what stories they had and, and then doing an evaluation of it. So it's sort of like a big scoping project. From this, we are now putting together the data we've gathered from those days and we'll come up with a report and we'll put that back to the working party and the working party will then decide where do we want to go from there and hopefully we are hoping that they will want to incorporate in a more long term or medium term uh, to actually be um, delivering more more art-based projects. So uh, the four schools that we we had involved in this project, three of them were primary schools and one of them is a, you know, not only primary school but a secondary school as well. So um, the four-day workshops, we, we split them up into two days being for primary schools only and that was basically for 203 kids 
So the first day of the workshops for the primary school, we had the artists go out and deliver their workshops in the schools. So they got a, a real sense of the place for each of those schools. And some of the schools are tiny, like they've got nine kids in the school. So, uh, you know, they, they, they're, they're really tiny little schools. So it's wonderful for the artists to go out and experience that. And then we also um, had on the second day for the primary schools, we had all the primary schools come together and be there at one school. And we had all those kids broken up into different groups and they rotated then and got an experience of the artists through the day. And we had a bookend of the day with all the kids coming together, breaking into their groups, and then at the other end of the day, sort of sharing a little bit of a show and tell about what they did. And it was just lots of fun, very high energy. The artists were all very buzzed and were able to share some of the different different sort of um, processes that had come through and some of the themes and the, the outcomes that the kids came up with in their workshops. And, uh, and then for the second part of the, the two-day workshops, so the final, the third and fourth day, they were specifically for the high school. So we just stayed in the one place and the students uh, between grade seven and grade 10, they all got a chance to have a workshop with every different artist. So the students got a chance to um, have a workshop with every different artist. So that was fantastic. So one of the important things about this process was how we brought the kind of collective team together to yeah. work in those schools. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this is a just, I think this is what makes it really magic. Not only did we manage to bring together a fantastic group of artists that, you know, really got this whole idea about supporting and helping the community through their art and uh, really facilitating um that with the with the with the kids and with the others around it, but also we we brought in um, another aspect which who there was a group of people that were mostly from health backgrounds, and uh, they came in and we called them the well-being angels, and so the idea was that an artist was teamed up with a well-being angel, and they were part of facilitating to a group of kids. In and conjunction with the teachers. In conjunction with the teachers there in, as well. So in each group of, of students, they had an artist, they had a health worker as a wellbeing angel, and they also had the teacher, all there supporting and surrounding those kids in their creative process. And, you know, that's one of the... I think one of the magical things about this particular project is that we've brought together, if you can think of a Venn diagram and you've got, you know, your health circle, you've got your art circle and you've got your circle of um, education and teachers. And if where they meet, where they all intersect, that's the magic. And that's what My Place, My Home is. It's that space in there where we're all coming together and and sharing and inspiring each other and supporting each other and energising each other to help support the kids. So, yeah, it was great. Fantastic, fantastic So where, where do you go from here, Luke? Well, we, uh, where we go from here, we hope that this is just the beginning. As I said, we, we really 
we're thinking of these four days and this particular part of the project as a as a scoping project. So we we've, we've we're gathering, as I said, we gathered information, feedback from kids, from the kids, from the teachers, from the artists, and also from the well from the working party group that actually have enabled through their funding and support for this to occur. And we're put, putting that into a report. So we're taking that back to the wellbeing, uh, to the wellbeing group, um, the, the working party group, I should say, and then we will see where to from now. And, and our hope is that from the feedback we got, we got, people are very energised and really want to keep this going and can see the benefit of it for not only the young kids but uh, in, the, in the community but other parts of the community potentially too. So there's definitely a resolve and I think it's galvanised that. And so we'll, we're looking for further funding and looking at medium to long-term projects, which we know is the way we have to work when we're looking at recovery work. We cannot do short-term. We need to be looking at longer-term projects. So that's where we'll be heading. That's Great. our angle. And, I mean, it's interesting because you mentioned before all the layers of impact that have occurred, drought, then fire, then flood, then yeah. COVID, and that's going to be the continual landscape that we're working with, isn't it? So where where do you think from your experience that there might be change in notions of leadership or ways that we might start to rethink about bringing in alternative ways of working, like a creative responder kind of process or other alternative ways than the traditional recovery programs? Well, I think... I think uh I think from a localised point of view, the experience that we've got going on up in the Upper Murray in terms of this project and the impact it's had and and the impact it's had on the relationships of all those communities, of all those, not only communities, but the services working to support the communities, that, that, that gets fed back. That's getting fed back higher up. And I... I do believe that that's where it's going to go, that this is a, a sort of a structural change that needs to happen where this will be incorporated into, you know, the broader strategies and the broader sort of sets of responses. Um, I'm hoping that the new agencies that are being developed up um, through federally and, and at a state level that from a grassroots point of view, like the project we're running, that we're able to, to, to be able to pass on these messages back up there and in such a way that we can, we can actually have them incorporated into longer-term approaches and approaches that are not just written down but are actually resourced, that resources are, are actually allocated as much as they're allocated to other parts of a response, that resources... Not only human resources, but you know you need financial resources that that is allocated as well, and that's part of it. Mm. And what about you? Like, if you think about your own practice, where does creativity in the arts sit in your in your world? Oh, as a professional? Well, as a professional, as someone who works in yeah, as a professional space, but also for yourself personally, oh. what's an experience that you could share that shows you know some some importance around the impact of involving creativity oh ah well look i think in my in my professional work when i've done you know a therapeutic work um both individually and group work it's it's just a no-brainer 
um, and we have more and more we have more and more uh, current research that's that's sort of providing good evidence for it. But you know, the the right brain we 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 live in our bodies. We we feel. Um, we have emotions and uh, we're not always switched on in our cognitive and um, I find that art is just and, and art based therapies and art based approaches is all as I said earlier on is, is really about encouraging someone's individual in creativity whatever that means in their life whatever's meaningful for them and it's also about creating and affirming that sense of hope for someone, for themselves. So that's where I come from. And, and, and to me, the creative arts is, is just that way that just helps enable that to happen. Yeah. Mm. And it's, it just creates a really wonderful horizontal relationship with people as well. You're not becoming an expert or any of that type of power. It's all about actually just being side by side and just walking along with someone and um, maybe helping support them when they need it or point things in different directions if, if and say, hey, look, what about, let's try that, you know, and just actually being sort of like therapeutic companions as well. Mm. Mm, beautiful. That was really beautiful. <laughs> so we're looking forward to supporting where we can, walking along this journey with you with the My yeah. Place, My Home project. And I think, uh, as you said, the value of that long-term view is so vital yes. as we continue as a community down this journey of recovery but also how we build resilience into the whole cycle of preparedness absolutely i think that's the thing is definitely as a in in that mental health promotion um and that whole that whole that whole sense of of um how we say sort of social capital within a community that you know what happens at this point of time is just the warm-up for what happens next and so um, there will be natural events that will occur we live in a country where we just know that something will happen down the track again um, but it's about the connectedness and it's about the relationships and it's about uh, the, the wisdom that the community can have and I think the arts is a way of actually engendering that it's a way of actually reflecting that back out in in some form you know whatever the form is the creative form is and i think and it also just helps nurture and somehow feeds feeds that sense of of creativity and that sense of agency in communities so yeah i think it's yeah i think we just have to keep working on that one <laughs> <laughs> beautiful thanks lou Thanks for joining us for another episode of Creative Responders in Conversation. And many thanks to Louise for making the time to speak with me about My Place, My Home. We look forward to sharing updates on this project with you as we move into the next phase. If you're interested in hearing more about young people and disaster management, you might like to go back to episode one of our documentary series. If you scroll back in your Creative Responders podcast feed, it's our very first episode called A Sense of Safety what young people are capable of in the face of disaster. For that story, we spent some time at Strathewan Primary School in Victoria to hear from their Year 6 students and Principal Jane Hayward about their award-winning bushfire education program 
developed after the Black Saturday bushfires. You might also be interested in one of our earlier In Conversation episodes with Kate Sorlin, where we discuss her wonderful Cubby House installation project. It was developed as part of the Refuge Project at Arts House and is a wonderful example of the meaningful intersection of creativity, young people and the emergency management space. That's episode 9 of our first season if you'd like to go back and listen. All of our episodes are available to stream directly from our website, creativerecovery.net.au and that's also where you can find transcripts for each episode and other resources relating to the topics we explore. Creative Responders in Conversation is produced by me, Skosha Monkovich, and my Creative Recovery Network colleague, Jill Robson. Our sound engineer is Tiffany DeMack, and original music is composed by Mikey Squire. Special thanks to the team at AudioCraft. We'll be back next month with another conversation. I hope you can join us then. Thanks for listening.